Today, we are going to discuss the world of marketing automation and the skills necessary to offer services in today's climate. Uh, we're going to record a little bit of our take on what is happening in the industry. Then we're going to talk about what we see as the solution. 90% conversational marketing automation discussion. First and foremost, Mark, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks, Alex. My name is Mark Colgan, and I run a B2B SaaS agency called Yellow O, where I focus on building scalable tech stacks for the B2B SaaS companies in order to drive revenue. Um, at the same time, I've just um, returned from a Techstars accelerator over in North Carolina for an insure tech startup that I am a founding member of. So yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell in my last few years of, of my career. Previous to that, I worked in sales and marketing, so I have about 10 years experience. And I've been at the coalface, both um, in sales and also running the marketing departments for B2B software companies. Yes. And Mark and I have been chatting back and forth for a little while now and sharing ideas, sharing strategies, bouncing problems, pain points, um, issues we've run into with our businesses back and forth for a while. And we've come to the consensus that we both share ideals uh, around what is happening in this industry, what the issues are. And the industry is marketing automation guidance as as an industry. And this could be consultancy, this could be agencies, this could be internal teams at the products that you use. The main thing we'd like to do today is give you a better understanding of what we see on a day-to-day -day basis, the issues that we deal with, with our clients and our teams that we work with, what we see as the major pain points recurring over and over again, and where we see this all headed, and then give you a potential solution that could work for your business. So what we're going to start with today is a, uh, a little bit of a high level of what's happening in SaaS and what's happening in marketing automation solutions. And the biggest thing right now in the last couple of years, the number of SaaS products has doubled and what this means for professionals in marketing automation is the learning curve has become incredibly steep. So if you were a marketing automation professional, even last year, and you've been traveling for a year or heads down on a project for a year and come back up and decided to jump back in as a marketing automation specialist, you have to start over. Um, the tools that are available now, if you have not been around for a year, are plentiful and you'd have to start over re-examining what's going on, re-examining each aspect of a full system and learning the new tools that are available. That's the biggest thing. And that changes everything. It changes the way you build a system. It changes how you look at price points. It changes the way you look at contract. It changes things for the providers and how they display their business model, how they display their price points, how they integrate with other apps and tools. So the world of APIs is changing dramatically. So Mark, we're going to talk about that and talk about the biggest dilemmas and how we're aiming to solve it. So what do you believe is another large pain point in this industry right now? Yeah, another huge pain point is that whilst you may be skilling yourself up on uh, what you need to do now, that may also change in six months to a year's time. So it's uh, it takes a lot of time and effort to constantly keep up to date, not only with how the product changes, but also the strategies that you should be using, um, as well as the processes you could be uh, you should be setting up in, in the background. So um, you may you may know what you need to do right now, um, but how do you know what you should be doing in six months' time, in a year's time? I think that's another key 
uh, dilemma that most marketers face within the marketing automation world. Exactly. So we're on a trajectory here. And if things keep going the way they've been going, we're looking to double the amount of SaaS available in the market in the next year, which means a lot of chaos, which means too much to know. But what we can determine is the skills that you need in a marketing automation specialist, the skills that you need to look for when you're looking to both strategize for your marketing automation system and build the marketing automation system are going to change dramatically. So let's talk about flexibility of these systems. Let's talk about how these systems are changing from a technology perspective. Yeah, certainly. So um, whilst we've seen that the marketing automation platforms have become a lot more flexible, um, and that can be by uh, offering more native integrations with other products and platforms, uh, the deployment's becoming so easy. And Infusionsoft are a great example of providing templates of automations. Uh, Drift provide you with playbooks of how you should use their, their product. So it is all becoming easier. Um, and what this does allow is that the, uh, the, the cost of actually setting up these systems is actually reducing. And perhaps you wouldn't, in the future won't need a, a specialist to actually set it up. Um, which is fine, but then you've got to make sure that you're using the right strategy to, to use the platforms more effectively. So whilst it is a good and positive point, I think there are some connotations to the flexibility there. Yeah, that's important. I mean, tools to succeed today, they need to enter the market with a certain number of out-of-box integrations, but they need to open up their code to uh, be easily integrated with all of the systems that exist in order for them to actually grow and take hold of some share of the market. So if you have a new marketing automation tool, new chat tool, those systems need to be very flexible and uh, easily integrate into the systems that you use in order for them to be a part of your stack. So that's where things are getting a little interesting. And we'll talk about APIs in a minute. But the biggest thing here is the democratization of your stack. So where five years ago, you looked at a hub tool, your CRM, your marketing automation tool, then you just looked towards their native integrations. And there wasn't a big decision making process around that. You picked a hub and you did a lot of research to choose that hub. And then you just went to their native integrations. And that was that. Um, in today's world, because tools are playing a lot nicer with each other, you're going to have a lot more options and you're going to be able to create a really flexible system, meaning you may not even have a hub in the future, uh, whereas your CRM may have contained so much data and so many triggers and so many touch points that it was very, very difficult to swap. In the future, your CRM is going to be very agile because that CRM needed to have been built with today's climate in mind in order to be successful. So you can actually change CRMs quite easily if you choose certain CRMs of today. Any caveats there that I missed, Mark? Yeah, I'd say just in addition to those is um, all of the analytics and data storage, especially if you have a, a B2B SaaS product. So you've got the events all reporting. It's where is this data going? And often that adds a lot more complex, uh, complexity to, to the whole uh, tech stack. And you need to ensure that there's accuracy there because you're going to be basing your decisions and particular messaging strategies based on that data. So it becomes the lifeblood of your company. Um, and you really need to choose a data platform and analytics system that not only tracks what you have now, but also moves with you if you were to, to select a new product. So, um, for example, a company like Segment allows you to keep history 
from the beginning uh, that you started using it. Whereas there are other platforms that only start that tracking from the day you start. So I think that's a very important thing and, and, and something which is often overlooked at, at the very beginning when you're building out your tech stack. And that's very important. So data is the key for any marketing automation system. When you're really doing your diligence, when you're putting all that time and effort into deciding on that central repository, that's going to be a very key foundation for your tech stack. So definitely do want that source of truth for your stack. And that's going to power a lot of the reactions from the technology that's built off of the stack. So while you may swap out your chat tools, your CRMs, your marketing automation systems, you may not change your event analytics systems um, that are built into your web app or your mobile app. On the data side, that is going to be your foundation. So choose a product that you can scale with on the data side. I want to talk real quickly about APIs. And this is part of our theme of democratization and about the flexibility that are available and having almost a choice overload. What has been catching up is around white label options on the API side of things. So I won't go too deep into it. We have a couple episodes on the podcast from a couple of the founders of the main options in this industry. What you need to know as a founder and as a head of product or a head of engineering is that there are options now that allow you to choose a tool that can be both the flow builder for your apps that your marketing and your sales and your CS team use to create marketing automation systems. They can also provide the white label integrations between your app and all of the hundreds and thousands of tools available for your customers. So you can kill two birds with one stone and onboard with a platform that allows you to have both the customer facing integrations that allow you to grow as well as the integrations that your sales and uh, marketing teams need to create those automation systems. So that is a fundamental shift in marketing automation now around the options for integration. So another thing there is the the knowledge and experience that's required today. Uh, as we've mentioned, there's over two times the amount of SaaS products that there was just only a year ago. So the industry is rapidly evolving and you need to work with others and build your team with people that have got experience with using the platform before, who have literally lived inside the platform as, as you typically do as a marketing operator. And at the same time, if, if they haven't operated or used that platform, they need to uh, have that network of others who um, have worked with the particular tools. And as a founder, you've got dozens of other things that you need to be focusing on and upskilling yourself on a marketing automation platform may not take a high priority for you. However, it's gonna be very, very important if you want to build that scalable, repeatable and profitable system. Yes, Mark, I agree completely. And a good example of that is in setting up your marketing automation system to deal with multiple customer types. So you may be sitting on a two-sided marketplace. This is a perfect example because a two-sided marketplace creates very complex um, systems on the marketing automation side that you need to run in parallel. You have marketing and sales operations focused towards one side of the marketplace and marketing and sales operations focused on the other side of the marketplace. You need to be cognizant of that and you need to make sure uh, the people that you're dealing with understand the complexities of a two-sided marketplace while deciding what type of system to build out. Yeah, and equally as important is uh, knowing what's not necessary. Um, a lot of my clients in the past have purchased expensive tools that they're not in the position or not at the right stage to use effectively. And, and there are a number of examples that we'll cover now. Uh, one example is um, cold outreach and, and knowing which type of cold outreach platform you should choose for your stage of business. 
uh, what are the features that you really need right now and, and in the near future that are going to be beneficial to your stage of company, the clients and customers and prospects and, and where they are in their journey. And also then how to set that up for proper compliance, especially with GDPR in the European area. It's something that really um, needs to be thought out. And this is important. You're there in London, so you know firsthand what's necessary to build out a cold outreach system um, that is compliant. And Chad is a major component of this section where we're talking about what's not necessary. Chat is something that um, is very powerful for a lot of systems out there, especially if you're in B2B SaaS. But there are also a number of situations and stages mainly where chat is not something that you need to look towards. And I'm dealing with a couple of scenarios right now where we are deciding that chat is instead a place to actually engage with customers. Chat is simply a new touch point to push customers through the funnel. And in that scenario, we do not need to actually chat with these customers. All we need to do is show them a message. So what happened there is instead of looking towards a very robust chat platform like Intercom, we we went with a very simple tool push messages out at various stages based on triggers. So links, videos, content-based messages, and provide that FAQ system so that customers don't get stuck. But we also don't need to have the bandwidth and have the training and have the skills necessary to actually power a chat system, which a lot of people don't realize. They think it's just like talking to someone over the phone and they spin up a chat tool and they have on hours and they just hand it to a salesperson who's never powered chat before. And in that scenario, it can work to your disadvantage where you actually bounce more customers out of your funnel, customers that would convert over a form and that you can deal with properly. You end up bouncing those customers by providing them a means to communicate in a way that may be most convenient for them right at that point, but you're not fully prepared to take those customers through that journey and that results in poor customer experience. So chat is a very big one that I'd be cognizant of before you deploy. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And um, I feel like account-based marketing is, is another one of those as well. Whilst account-based marketing as a methodology isn't new, the technology is still in its infancy. And because of that, the cost of like true all-in-one account-based marketing platforms is relatively high. So really, you need to think about what the average revenue per customer is and what the lifetime value of these customers are before investing in that all-in-one solution. For my client, because their average revenue per customer didn't really warrant the high investment in the all-in-one account-based marketing solution, we were able to achieve that multi-channel approach to account-based marketing and connecting that back to their CRM with just one or two or three different tools that all sync together nicely. Um, it's much more cost-effective. It does require a little bit more um, time to set up and a bit more time to maintain, but it enables them to achieve the account-based marketing strategies that they want to uh, without having to fork out for the very expensive tools that are out there. And I'm sure um, in time, the, the costs of these tools will go down, um, but for the time being, you may need to be a little bit more creative with the solutions that you put together for that. Yeah. And we want to just mention pricing and what you need to kind of look at when you're dealing with these systems. If you do go into these builds sort of blind to what pricing actually looks like, you can get taken advantage of. So maybe Mark mentioned anything around 
pricing that you think the listener should be aware of? Yeah, for sure. And, and a lot of times, depending on, I mean, every business is different and depending on how you're going to use the product and platform, it may be worth reaching out to some of the account managers or customer success managers from the platforms themselves. I, I've done this in the past on behalf of other clients and we've been able to negotiate preferential rates for them or discounts uh, up until a certain point. Uh, one client in particular um, needed to go with Salesforce because they have a very complicated inventory management system on the back end of their, their service. And we were able to negotiate a kind of stacked pricing tier where we could onboard the three users that we needed to right now and then have the additional three users in six months time once it was all set up and, and working correctly and tested. So having those conversations, reach out, to form those relationships with the vendors themselves. I highly recommend doing that. Uh, contract terms as well. That can be another tricky issue. HubSpot and HubSpot for certain tiers will require a year subscription. Salesforce as a standard is, is a 12-month subscription. And you really need to make sure that you, you've made the right decision before signing up and committing to those terms because it soon can spiral out of control, especially as your business grows. And if they have a pricing model which is based on number of customers or contacts in the database, it can become quite costly. So these are all the things that you need to really think about before making any decision. Yep. All right. That section that we just mentioned, that's all around knowledge and experience of the person or the people or the agency that are helping you to create this system. So we mentioned that the industry is rapidly expanding. So the advice needs to come from a source that has the knowledge, at least the experience, at least the understanding of the available tools to solve each problem. The setup of multiple systems for multiple product types, multiple customer types. So being able to, you know, accurately discuss and set up for two-sided marketplaces as also SMB versus enterprise. Know what's necessary and what is not necessary. Very big, especially if your bandwidth and burn rate and budget um, you know, for your considerations around budget. Cold outreach, is it necessary? Chat, is it necessary? We believe every B2B company should be practicing it. It may not be for you right now. And then once you get down to contract negotiation, pricing, work with somebody that has those relationships built, that has spoken with numerous account executives at numerous types of products and know what they've offered in the past and what they can get for you. So you can get the best deal as well as the best contract term as well as not be locked in and handcuffed to something A, you can't afford and B, is not right for you. So let's talk real quickly about strategy. Because of this evolution of SaaS and because there are so many good tools and so much to do, product teams and marketing teams are tending to do everything and everybody is doing everything. What this creates is a little bit of sign blindedness, if you will. So where even as soon as six months ago, it was best practice to do uh, multiple emails during the first week of onboarding or multiple chats during the funnel, deploying various types of messaging and hitting customers as often as possible because everybody's doing it. There's a certain level of sign blindedness now. The best way I can describe it where customers are hitting the X more, they are deleting and uh, ignoring a lot more because they are just getting bombarded. So especially if you're shopping for a product that you are a competitor in and you're trying to sell in, those customers have received countless messages and countless touch points from your competitors as well as you. So really focusing on the strategy that is necessary to gain that customer's attention when you need it and how you need it 
and not sink a bunch of time, but also money into efforts and strategy that may not be what you need to kind of convert that customer. So don't build your marketing automation platform and then create the strategy. And this is the biggest thing I think that we want to talk about on this recording is make sure that you're starting with the strategy and then backing into your marketing automation platform to execute that strategy. I see it too often where founders will just look at their pain point of that day or that week or that month and say, we're low on conversions. How do we increase conversions. Oh, let's spin up chat. All of a sudden they have a three month intercom build that's going to sink a ton of money and time and effort. And they haven't wrapped that system into their strategy. So it ends up costing them more than it's actually providing in terms of ROI. Anything to say around strategy or around building out the platforms for the strategy, Mark? Yeah, I I think really important to map out the people who are involved and how they're going to be handed over to each other. So who is actually going to be using these tools each day? So is sales, for example, going to operate the data enrichment side of things? Are they going to be uploading and, and sending those emails or is marketing doing that cold outreach, for example? Or with when it comes to the CRM, where the salespeople spend most of their time, is marketing going to have the logins to the CRM? Are they going to be making changes to the workflows and the processes? Like who really is going to be the operator of, of these different tools and systems? Again, going back to Alex's example of the chat, it's not just as simple as having a Slack channel open or, or a Skype message. You may be overwhelmed with the amount of incoming inquiries in one day and then have nothing the next day. So who is going to be available for that chat? Is it something that you outsource to a different company? Or is it something that you keep in-house and have one person dedicated? Um, so it's all of these little factors of about the people who are involved in the processes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the communication and handoffs, communication between marketing and sales and CS, what touch points happen just under marketing and when those touch points become sales focused and when they become customer success focused and then what tools are going to be necessary and also what tools will cover the full gamut and what logins are needed by marketing and sales versus customer success and when do you split those tools and when can tools overlap? Those are all very fundamental things to consider and they're all baked into the strategy. So if you just start with a pain point and you deploy tools based on a pain point of that week, month, or year, you're going to create sort of a Frankenstein system that is not integrated, is not really automated, and doesn't create that customer experience that you're going after because they are just pushed through this sort of mishmash of a system that you built based on whatever the pain point was a month ago or a year ago. So look at where the communication sits under marketing, under sales, under customer success, map out the actual touch points, create the proper setup, sending addresses and the actual communication journey, get that all streamlined and understood from all levels. And everybody needs to be involved in this and then back into what systems could be used to solve for that strategy that you're trying to create. Yeah, I'd I'd also like to add to mention reporting here as well, because what's fundamental in the reporting is that you're actually tracking the right metrics. I personally believe there's a lot of vanity metrics out there. I'm really focused on um, finding other metrics, which have contributed to revenue and brand awareness to some extent as well. So it's really understanding how these reports are actually generated, who generates the reports, and and in what systems. Because whilst you may try and aim for one source of truth, the reality is that you may have to pull this data from a couple of different platforms 
in order to present it in, in, in a format that's consistent for your business. So reporting is also key here. And that also snowballs into project management, how that, that entire system is going to be PM'd. To recap here, all of this points to um, founders and teams needing to gain proper consultation from those with experience in multiple types of systems meaning multiple types of tools and building out those systems to completion and actually working inside of those systems, not simply looking at a review platform like a G2 crowd or some Gartner magic quadrant to decide and then going to the next step and deciding on a tool in the exact same way, really look at the full system and really make those important decisions around what you need to actually accomplish the strategy that you and this consultant or this agency has put together based on the end goal. And then we mentioned, obviously, making sure you are cognizant on what's necessary and what's not necessary. And finally, be careful and plan around handoffs and around the customer journey. Be very cognizant, first and foremost, of what the customer is going to see, who they're going to see that from, and uh, what is unnecessary in terms of messaging. I think teams get a little bit trigger happy when they get new tools and they think, I've got this new marketing automation tool. I need to fire off all of these messages to make sure that I get my $400 a month worth of marketing automation. And that's not always the case. So it's almost becoming a less is more scenario in terms of best practices and my point of view. That's the lay of the land. Now, what I want to talk about are the options that you have as a founder to go ahead and build out a marketing automation system. And the first one is contractors. So Mark, why don't you mention the pros and cons of looking to a contractor to build out your marketing automation system? Sure. So like any of these options, there are pros and cons. I've personally find with contractors in the past that they offer fantastic flexibility. You may only need to bring somebody in to help you with a certain section of, of the thing that you're trying to achieve or it could be a larger piece of work where they manage it all. They tend to be a lower cost than what it would be to hire a full-time member of staff, for an, uh, as an example. However, they often don't have the team behind them to support your needs. And often the case can be is that they do a fantastic job um, setting things up, but they're not then available to support you at all or on the same ongoing basis that they were working with you previously. And they're typically specialists, so they may specialize in one of the larger platforms or a few of the smaller platforms, but they sometimes don't have the 30,000 foot vision and view of the overall strategy of, of the business. And I know, Alex, you've got some personal experiences with, with contractors here. And again, I agree with everything you said. I mean, the flexibility aspect is the main thing there. Contractors are wonderful after you've built your stack out to complete the nuanced aspects of the bill. So a copywriter to do the email copy. I've hired ex-employees of Intercom to complete the Intercom setup because Intercom doesn't offer much in the way of customer support. I've hired the designers. That's an important one. When you want to do custom HTML email templates and uh, the out-of-box templates in the system don't work for you, you'll need a contractor. And then contractors for customer journey mapping. I've tried that, honestly, just to see if they have a different perspective. And that was a complete waste of time. And I've been at fault in this respect. I've sold my own services just to create the customer journey mapping. And it doesn't work in my perspective because to create the accurate customer journey map, you need to be really involved in 
in the nuance aspects of the team, who's going to own what aspects of it, what the strategy is going to entail long term. And to do that, you need to work with a team for a while. So it's not something you can just come in and somebody can hand you their website address, talk to you on a couple phone calls about their industry, and you can bang out a very accurate customer journey map. So I don't look to contractors. And for these reasons, I would make sure that the contractors, when you're hiring them, look to them after you've created your stack to complete the actual loaded tasks in your project management tool after you've decided on the stack and have the strategy, look to them to um, kind of fill those gaps. Just to reiterate your point there, Alex, they tend to be very good to be there to fix things and execute on the tactics. But like you say, the strategy and the processes really need to be designed first of all. Definitely. Okay. So number two, the second way that you can build your marketing automation system is just to look in-house, to look to your team and divvy up tasks internally. So hopefully some of your team have worked in multiple marketing automation systems. Hopefully they've come from the same vertical. That would be ideal. And then you can look to them for some of the strategy and some of the best practices. But again, it's very difficult to find a team that has the level of expertise that you need to fully realize what your system could be. So I think even if your team is going to handle a large part of the marketing automation system bill, you'll still want to look outwards to get the strategy aspect of it. But uh, Mark, what's your experience with teams that say, all right, Mark, we want you to focus on the journey. And our team is going to go through demos and decide on tools and the messaging and all that. Yeah, look, um, I, I've been there before being uh, the person asked to, to make the decision on, on the marketing automation platform and, and, and new CRM. And what I felt from my own experience and then from what I've seen with my clients is that it's a full time job for a short period of time. So there's a lot of work that goes into it in the selection, the procurement, the implementation and the setup than there is in the future when you just need to maintain and, and run the actual systems itself. Um, so whilst you may look, in, look inside your own organization, and if you're fortunate to have a number of people in the marketing team, you've really got to ask yourself whether that one person can lead this project and then not work on some of the other business as usual things. Um, so the day-to-day marketing activities, um, because it really is a, a very time-consuming process because there's a lot on the lines really. If, if you were to make the wrong decision, um, then it's not only the money and, and the budget side of things that you need to focus on, it's also the uh, lost opportunity and also the time that's been spent. So um, it really is a, a tricky one when you've got the in-house, unless you've got a dedicated automation manager or marketing automation manager. And you just reminded me of a couple additional aspects of that that I didn't mention, but I believe teams need to focus on their product, need to focus on getting their actual organization set up for success meaning focused on the product 100%. Your team internally should should be creating that product infrastructure. We're talking about teams that have maybe just reached product market fit. In any case, they need to be focused on making sure that the product and the customers are taken care of. And like you mentioned, this is a full-time job. It's not a full-time job for six months or a year. It's a full-time job for three months to make sure that this system is set up correctly and is deployed correctly and tested correctly. So you do not want your key players to be pulled off of the product that requires an outside individual or an outside team. And then the last thing I'd say is your team will struggle to give you brutal honesty. And I'm talking about you as the founder, your head of marketing, your head of product, your head of engineering, people will tend to cover their own asses and not 
give you their decision. And I've been at the table on many of teams as a head marketer where the head of product maybe came to the table with one suggestion. The head of engineering came with another suggestion. But when it comes time to pull the trigger on a 12-month contract, nobody will speak up because everybody's really concerned with being labeled as the one that decided on that tool or that system when it goes wrong. So look to an outside agency to give you their brutal honesty where they're not concerned with whether or not they're going to have a job with you in six months. You sign a contract with them and it's their job to give you their brutal, honest opinion and to make those decisions for you and trust and rely on them to make that unbiased decision. Anything to say about in-house expertise to build out the marketing automation systems? We've covered all the bases, um, but like I said, it's that opportunity cost of, of making one of your, as you say, key players focus their time on the marketing automation platform. I think that's that's key because there then becomes a lot of work that can't be completed by those marketing team members because they're just wholly consumed by the marketing automation platform. So let's move on to number three, the agency. This is an actual company that was built to provide marketing automation services on some or all levels. The pros of using an agency is you will get very in-depth understanding of a tool set. These agencies will focus on a few tools and they will be very specialized and they will come with the benefits of negotiating pricing, uh, bringing in previous customer best practices, Maybe they even have some loaded up journeys that you can review and give you a good head start if you need what they are the experts in. And this comes to the downside. So although they are very good at understanding the tools and processes under a certain stack and have previous customers, hopefully a lot of previous customers that have run those stacks, they are fairly one-sided in aggregate. On average, they focus on upstream tool sets and marketing stacks. So your Marketos, your Salesforce, sometimes HubSpot, Eloqua, et cetera, they will focus on those tools that are built for enterprise because that's where the money is. So it's very tough for a startup to get involved in an agency. They tend to be very, very cost prohibitive. So some of these agencies will charge upwards of $20,000 just to get started. That's just the retainer. And then there are costs on top of that, depending on what you need. And again, they typically focus on enterprise and they're highly specialized. So there are some pros and cons, but Mark, what is your experience with some of these agencies out there? Yeah, absolutely. And again, agreeing with with all of your points there. And, and I think one of the things that frustrates me most about some of these agencies, and don't get me wrong, they do a fantastic job. They're extremely good at what they do, uh, but they often leave you without knowing all of the information. And the idea for them is to upsell you onto the support packages so it may be 10 hours a month at a hundred dollars an hour that you have to pay for and almost subscribe to them to be able to do any of those quick fixes because they don't kind of give you the training or enough training for you to really confidently run the platform yourself also as you mentioned they are domain experts uh, but typically with just one or, or two platforms which means that whilst theoretically they can integrate that particular platform with any other platform they don't understand why you really want to do that and how you're going to be using it in the future. So to ask the closed question of can you integrate X with Y, the answer is yes. Um, but really, you need to think about how you are going to be using that platform in the future. And an agency that specializes in, in just one platform might not be the best option for you. And then which builds on both of these points is that they, they focus on the implementation of the platform. 
um, and they take they do take some time to understand your your current processes, your current journeys and, and workflows. However, they don't necessarily understand that the processes change as you scale your business and you'll have different requirements in the future. So whilst we talked about account-based marketing earlier, you may not be running any account-based marketing campaigns, but you know in six to 12 months that you'll be in a position to start doing those. Now, does the agency understand that and are they building out and implementing your platform to accommodate that in the future or not? From my experience, in most cases, like I say, I'm not... um, dissing any uh, agency they've done some fantastic work um, but it's very much in the the current window and not looking into the future and, and it's, it causes huge headaches down down the lines I think you mentioned a couple of very important things there they are domain experts uh, which is a pro and a con and we're talking to founders of startups here we're talking to SMB and below we're talking to founders that may have a good idea of their strategy but they still need some help considering the big picture what that strategy looks like from a marketing automation perspective because although you may know that your strategy is to enter the space with this product and to do it in a way that does this for your company and your brand. If you don't know what triggers what, what messaging happens when, how that channel, that traffic channel plays into the system. And in my experience, these agencies, they will not give you a whole lot of help around the strategy. And they do that for good reason, because the agency lives and dies by the success of what they have sold you know, and if they are hanging their hat on both the build and the strategy around the build, there's less of a chance that you will leave that relationship excited about working with them. If they do not mention anything around strategy and they let you steer the ship on what to build and all they do is put the pieces together, their success rate goes up. So these agencies are inherently just build and implementation experts and not set up to help you with a strategy first. And that's the most important thing to consider is the fact that if you go to an agency, you're probably going to them after you've decided on a tool set and a strategy. And all you need them to do is to help you build out the system. That's pretty much it. Definitely. I agree with you there, Alex. And and I think just to add to that point is there are agencies out there which call themselves full service agencies and they do offer kind of as much as they can. However, that's pretty much reserved for the enterprise customers. It's it, it, it's just way too expensive for the SMB and, and startups of the world that simply can't afford the retainers like that. And for those reasons, I look to agencies to give me that next level of growth and not to be, you know, the strategy provider. So that's very important. So the three levels of support that you can have for marketing automation in today's world are contractors, in-house, and then agencies. And they all have their pros and cons. So make sure to consider all of that and don't try to rely on any of those aspects for anything that they are not ideal for. So that's what's missing in marketing automation with each level of service. Hopefully you got some good information out of that. Again, if you have any questions, um, definitely leave them below this video or email us team at automated.af and we can go ahead and answer those for you. But let's go into our proposed solution. So Mark, why don't you mention what it is and the tiers that are involved? Sure. So as Alex mentioned, we've spoken for the last few weeks about what's missing in the industry at the moment and, and where those where, what those gaps are and how they could potentially be solved. And we've put together a nine-point roadmap that is consistent across the, the three tiers that we're going to talk about in just a second. And the, the reason why we put together this roadmap is that it ensures that we are aligned on the delivery of this program 
and that our focus is on the key revenue generating activities throughout. So you know where we are and uh, how we're achieving the different milestones that we've set out across the three tiers. So the three tiers have been designed in the way that they have because they're incremental. So the tiers are marketing, the second tier is sales, and the final tier is partnership. So looking at the marketing tier at a very high level, um, this is all about uh, identifying and creating new channels, setting up funnels and systems for user acquisition, and to increase the ROI from your current channels. Um, once we've kind of got the foundations of the user acquisition there, we really need to start focusing on the sales elements and the sales side of things. So within the sales tier, uh, we're looking at optimizing your sales processes and outbound campaigns to increase sales and reduce the time it takes to close opportunities. And that's all done through the strategy and then delivered through the processes. The final tier is the fact that you may have your sales operating very lean and efficiently. They're closing opportunities as, as quickly as, as they can. And you've got more leads coming into the top of the funnel. How do you then 10x your revenue? And what we've developed is um, the partnerships tier, which is really about identifying the correct partnership and the strategies you should take with those partnerships in order to uh, increase that revenue. So looking at the different partner channels, this could be affiliate partners, it could be distribution partners, or even looking at affinity partners. So those are the three tiers. Um, and as I said, they are incremental. We really ideally need to start with, with marketing, work through to sales, and then on to partnership. Alex, is there anything that I... Of Mr. Just important caveat there. We're not trying to replace a sales team. We're not trying to replace a marketing team. We're not trying to be your source of partnerships. What we're trying to do is create a system with the understanding of each of these tiers to achieve the results of a proper marketing, proper sales, and proper partnership automation. What we've both come to the realization of is that there is a hole in this industry that needs to be filled. And the industry is in marketing automation builds. And that could be in the form of consultancy. It could be in the form of agencies. It could be in the form of contractors. There's a lot going on and founders and teams are very much in the weeds or in the dark. What we've built here is a program that we believe solves for the biggest pain points around marketing automation. And that is first and foremost, starting with the strategy, starting with the end goal, and then backing into the stack that the teams need to complete that strategy to get to that goal. That is fundamentally where we see a lot of teams missing the mark. A lot of teams that I work with will start with a pain point right then and there, like conversion rate optimization, and solve for it by adding chat to their stack. That is not the way to go. We believe that you need to first start with the end goal, back into all of the tools and the processes that you need to meet that end goal. And that requires very fundamental understanding of not only the landscape, but also these three tiers. So Mark, why don't you mention the three tiers? Sure. So um, Alex and I have combined our 20 plus years of experience within sales and marketing to put together three tiers, which we believe are incremental in order to drive that revenue for your business. The first tier is marketing. And this is really all about identifying and creating new channels, designing new funnels and systems in order to acquire more customers, as well as increase the ROI in your existing channels. Once you have your marketing engine feeding into the top of the funnel, it's now time to focus on your sales. So the second tier of this program 
program is the sales tier. And this covers the optimization of your sales processes and outbound campaigns in order to increase the revenue and also reduce the amount of time it takes for you to close opportunities. But now that we have the marketing engine running and the sales processes as efficient as possible, we now need to look at ways of how you can scale your revenue growth by 10x. And what we found from our experiences is that partnerships are key to this. So the third tier, which is known as the partnership tier, will help you identify the correct partnership strategies in order to enable that revenue growth. Now, these could be through affiliate channels, it could be distribution partners or affinity partners, but we'll work with you to understand what the right strategy is for your partnerships in order to scale that growth. Now, Alex will just talk to you about the nine steps that we've put together, which really forms the structure of this program. And I think that partnership aspect, I can't get more excited about an aspect of this program than that partnership. It sounds so trivial and you're just going to have partnerships. Maybe the founders are going to be responsible for them, but partnerships can be a bigger channel and a bigger funnel than even your direct consumer sales and a bigger aspect of your growth. So not considering partnerships as a funnel, not considering the communication and the triggers around partnerships when you're building this system can be a very big crux. Make sure that partnerships is part of your system, whether you work with us or not. Now, the nine steps that Mark mentioned, it's onboarding, research, strategy, recommendations, setup, integration, testing, running, and training. The biggest aspects of those are obviously in the strategy and in the training. A lot of agencies, especially consultants, will not work as closely with you on the strategy and the training. We are very focused on making sure that you leave this program knowing how to run your system with the confidence we have built a system revolving and dependent on a strategy that is going to get you to your end goal. So Mark, why don't you tell them real quickly what they can expect from the program and then we'll tell them how they can get started. Sure. So uh, what you can expect first and foremost is a system built from strategy and not the other way around. The system will be as lean as possible. It will only include what's necessary. And there's really no bloat tool in the systems and processes that we'll design for you. We're going to have a clear understanding on who's doing what and who will be running the systems after. As Alex mentioned, the training is a key part of our offer that we're looking to be able to give you everything you need to run these programs effectively, the marketing automation workflows and process. Yeah. So uh, the biggest thing is how do you get involved? We hope that you're interested at this point. So what we'll do is we'll provide a 45 minute call with you or we'll go into your scenario and what you're trying to achieve. We'll obviously get into the different aspects of the program, the costs of the program and what you can expect in terms of deliverables, in terms of time and everything that goes into it. From there, we'll shoot over proposals. Be aware that we can only work with three teams per quarter. So every three months, we're going to pick three teams to work with. That's as much as we can do with a program like this. It's very robust, very time intensive. It's pretty much full time and it requires at least 15 hours of both of our times per week to go ahead and execute. Understand that, email us team at automated.af and we'll book a call and we'll take it from there. So thanks again for coming by. We hope that you're interested and we hope to hear from you soon. And if so, we'll be in touch. Thanks a lot and have a good one. 90% of conversational marketing. I think I'm joking. The marketing automation discussion.